I believe Jesus is here. He's living within you and I. He comes. He goes with us. Wherever you're at around the countryside, wherever you're on this face of the earth, the psalmist says there's no place that we can go and he's there. Those who will place their faith in him, there's a hope, there's a peace that comes, there's something that we cannot describe many times. I believe that Jesus is the answer to our world today. And all the chaos and all the problems that are happening across our world, we're not going to dwell on those, we're going to dwell on the Lord and Savior. And those people who are struggling around our world need a Savior. People are not the enemy. I, I try to keep reminding my people are not the enemy. But Jesus said to pray for your enemies. It's those who persecute. He was talking about those who will persecute you. And refer to those who are in opposition to the gospel of Jesus. And so we, we, under, we understand, at least in part, that not everyone's going to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the enemy is working in overtime, isn't he? But we're not going to allow him to, get, to rob us. We're not going to allow him to steal from us because we're going to stand and we're going to take a hold of the word of God and we're going to use it as a sword today. There's many people in this world that are, are stressed out or overcome. Well, there's a lot of Christians that are stressed out. There's a lot of anxiety that can come our way. And all this can just begin to bring us into a place of uh, a tailspin, so to speak, put you in a disarray or derail your train in life. But what does the Lord say? How do we remedy these things? How do we deal with those things? How do we get help? Where do we go? And I believe the word of God is clear to us that we are to go to Jesus and we are to turn to his word and remember, re- remind ourselves, what did Jesus say? So I'm going to talk a little bit about the basics this morning, and then we'll go from there. But Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spoke these words, saying, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink or for what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and body than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They, they don't reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And I want to just say something, because the, one of the tricks of the enemy is this, that he would get us, to fe- get us to feel unworthy, get us to feel not valuable, get us to feel like God's abandoned us, that God doesn't care about us, and get us into a place where we begin to go downward and spiral downward in our, in our thinking. And when we read these words, Jesus, what he's saying to us is, look how I've arrayed the world. Look how I have taken care of the birds, nature. Some will say it doesn't do any good to worry, but how many say sometimes it's hard not to worry? Yeah. Anxiety. How do we deal with it? Jesus says the question, verse 20, and why are you anxious about clothing? 
Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But of God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? How many have planted a garden this year? Yes, good, good, good. How many have struggled with the water? Yeah keeping it up. How many have pulled weeds? Yeah. How many have had some, looking forward to some harvest? A little something, anyway. Oftentimes our hearts are like that garden. Well, we have, we planted the word of God's in our lives, beginning to take root, beginning to grow, but in another place, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, and he sowed seed, and some seed fell on the good ground, caused, you know, it was a great harvest, but other seed fell on rocky ground, came up quickly, but it didn't have any root system, and blew over and withered under trial. That was the lesson. And so often, perhaps we are misled at times, and now that I've taken a step toward Jesus, all my troubles are going to be gone. That's a mis misleading. Because we take a step toward Jesus, it's a good thing. That's the thing to do. But beware, the enemy doesn't like it. So now you become, you, you, you become in, in a sense, of, it's a hostility issue with the enemy. And now he's going to try to drag you back and drag you back backwards to get you to think negative, get you to, to begin to worry. And one of the things that I think the enemy is so good at is begin to, begin to convince you that what really happened, you didn't happen. That you accepted Christ, but it really didn't matter. The basics are this. Whosoever believeth on me shall not perish. Whosoever cometh, those who will, will pray the prayer of faith and believe God. And sometimes we need to go back to the Lord and recommit our lives and recommit our nothing wrong with that. But there comes a point in our life where we begin to understand that no matter what, no matter what I'm feeling, I am convinced that I am in, I am a believer, he has saved me. And we begin to walk in that faith, we begin to understand that he is in charge and not myself. And I'm not even share how some days you may not even feel safe. There are days and moments like that. And it's not to be confused because God's word is clear that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Isn't it just great to know that we can have a fresh day, a fresh beginning at any moment of our life and time. The basics. If he can get us, the enemy, to get us to start to worry about Oh, you messed up over here. Oh, God is really upset at you because you, you know, you blew it over here. You know, you're never, you're just never going to mount it. And the enemy will, will come at you in such a direction that pretty soon you just want to throw it in. But the word of God is clear. Sometimes we're going to get days like that. Sometimes we're going to have moments where we feel, where's God in all this? Is anyone listening? 
Just a little amen. Thank you so much. What is it that, here's a question to ask yourself. What is my greatest need? What is my greatest need? Well, I know that we would probably agree our greatest need is to know that Jesus, know Jesus, he lives in our hearts. But you know that's the beginning point. And there may be moments when we don't feel like Jesus is in our hearts. Or we may be struggling. But God says to come as you are. Don't try to pretend anything else. In Peter's letter, he said, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. He didn't come to... He didn't, it, it doesn't work to try to pretend, does it, with God. It doesn't work to try to, uh, to be something you're, you're not with God. It's okay to tell the Lord sometimes how you feel and, and, and ask the Lord to help you. That's okay. In fact, the psalmist complained a little bit in one place. He said, why is my soul down? Why am I in such despair? In other words, sometimes I think this life, this life in general, because we live in the world, because we're being so much, uh, so many things we can think on that are negative, they can begin to drain us, begin to bring us down and begin to think on negative things and begin to think there's never going to be any hope. God's word is clear to us. If we will choose to think on those things that are right and pure and lovely and good, a good report that, that he gives us a peace, if we choose to pray about the things that are bothering us, we choose to allow the Lord and say, Lord, come, give me wisdom on this situation. There may be times where there are setbacks in your schedule, there's change, things that change up things that you thought were going to happen, and all of a sudden there's a monkey wrench thrown into the situation. That okay, I say monkey wrench. That's kind of a Norwegian thing. Uh, it upsets the whole situation. And so you drop back and say, now what, Lord? I'm convinced if we will wait on the Lord, he will give us an idea or a sense of direction. I remember when we were putting up the building on the church pier, the builders, there were several volunteers who were helping me with the walls, and we were just doing great. It was going around just great, and all of a sudden the leader of that, those, those volunteers said, I've got to go to another job. I can't help you with the roof. And I didn't have another plan. But God did. And it's, the same, it's about the same day that I, that I got that news, another, another fellow in the community, he was watching from a distance, and he said, no worry, I'll help you. I'll bring my crew over and we'll do it. We'll do it. Don't worry about it. Boy, you talk about a load being lifted off. This is the rafter. These are the things that are, these are huge, and you need a crane, and you need guys that are able to, to climb and, and to be able to brace things up and, uh, it, it was just unbelievable uh, situation that God intervened. And so you have moments in your life where you, you were going along okay, but you're not sure well, how, how and what all happened. You can't even remember how, you, how everything worked out, but you kind of went behind, so to speak. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love you anymore. He's not like that. 
That does not mean that God has abandoned you. That does simply mean that he is, perhaps it's a test for you and I to say, well, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to believe God. And so Jesus was talking about, look at the birds. Look at the things that God has provided for the nature. How much more does he love you? How much more are you important to him? And so we, we go through this verses. Don't be anxious to verse 31. Don't be anxious then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we clothe ourselves for all these things that Gentiles eagerly seek? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things. How many things do we need in this life? How many things do we really need? Paul's letter to Timothy talked about a couple of things that we need, and if we have food and covering, that's the basics, the basics in life. Now, I know God goes more, he often blesses us beyond what we need. And one of my friends that used to attend here, he would say this to me, well, sometimes I get my, my needs mixed up with my wants. Oh, my needs may not necessarily be what, what God says is best for you. So we have to sort through, and are we willing to even be content with less? And so God is that way. He works, he works in our situation. He's promised to supply our needs. I'm not going to judge anyone who has, you know, a big house or drives a great car. God bless blessings on you. But let's never, never put those things, never put those things in place of our life. If all those things were taken away, would I still be happy? Could I still be content? That's what it's coming down to. And so God helps us to be a good steward, a good manager. For some of us, God has, has called us uh, to go around the world. And I don't know if that's my, my daughter, Emily, but she seems to have a knack for it. For some of us, we've been called to stay home. And that's, here I am. For some of us, we have been gifted with fixing things. For some of us, we have been gifted with growing things or nurturing things. But whatever the gifts that God has given you and I, I believe that we are going to be fulfilled the greatest if we discover that God has given us, uh, he's built in us gifts that you have uniquely, uniquely have and you're going to offer back to the Lord. When we search, seek first his kingdom, we say, God, you're number one. We say, God, you, you're in the building program. God, you're, you're in my workplace. God, you're in charge of, of my wages. God, you're in charge of my living. And so I'm going to honor you with, with that. I'm going, to, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to believe God I can live on 90%. And 10% is just a portion of what he's asking to give. And the mindset begins to go back to when, when Paul was talking in Philippians about being content. He, he learned to be content. He prayed about things. He said to, to believe God and things. And do you know that Paul had a few days that he was tested? Do you know his, some of his story that Paul was the man who was prisoned with his friend Silas? 
And they were, they were there because they were preaching the gospel, and all of a sudden, one of them, I think it was Silas, said, let's, let's sing. Let's begin to praise the Lord. What do you mean? How can you sing in a situation like this? Begin to praise the Lord. Now, I would encourage you, if you're ever in a moment, try it. Just try it. If you're in a downswing, if you're in a moment of discouragement, begin to just, if you, if you don't want to sing, at least say praise the Lord. Just begin to say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And you'd be surprised how that your spirit begins to lift, how your, your, your feelings begin to uh, turn for the upward uh, direction. When Isaiah was, was uh, being used by God in his day, you know that he spoke the promises of God, but some of those promises of God were not easy to talk about. Some of these uh, prophetic words that God gave him wasn't very popular, similar to Jeremiah. When he spoke about the judgment of God, he was trying to get the people to turn back to God. He was warning them about what was coming. And so God, through his word, we can still read today, Isaiah 41, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Number one, God is with you and I when we call on his name. Don't anxiously look about you. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is a great verse for anyone who's going through a struggle right now. Anyone that's facing health issues, anyone that's facing financial issues, emotional issues, whatever it may be, it may be a setback, it may be your place, your work, it may be your family. Here's a verse, here's a promise. Don't fear, I am with you. Number one, God is with you. If God is in the house, there's hope. If God is in your heart, there's hope. If God is in your in your situation, if God, if you're looking to God, if you're allowing God to shepherd you, did you know that Jesus is your shepherd and that he is a good shepherd and he will lead you out and lead you back and forth? He will provide, he will protect, he wants to, he knows exactly what every one of his sheep are going through. He knows them by name, he knows them by their personality, he knows them, he knows how they're reacting sheep. You need a shepherd. And the good shepherd is Jesus. And so he's calling us to trust him. When I'm afraid, the Bible says, I don't have to be afraid. Well, what if I'm afraid anyway? Well, begin to sing songs, begin to praise him, begin begin to proclaim the promises, begin to speak the word of God. I, I like to think that as I'm reading the Word of God, I can even sometimes begin to apply it to my situation. Don't fear, for I'm with you. Put your name or put someone else's name in there. Make it personal. When Joshua was following Moses' example, and Joshua was following, he was faithful. When Joshua and Caleb got back from the from the spine of the land, he said, we can do it, we can go in and take, but there was too many other negative people that say, no, we can't, we can't, we can't, we're too small, we don't know, we don't know, these guys are giants. There's no way, and they were looking at it through their own fleshly eyes, and so often, we as a church need to examine ourselves, are we looking at things in our own fleshly eyes, or are we looking at things with the faith that God would give to you and I, 
You know, Joshua was on the heels of, of Moses after Moses was, was taken out of the situation. We read from Joshua chapter 1 that these words that say this, Have I not commanded you? Joshua 1.9, Be strong, courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now Joshua saw the miracles. He was there in every situation when the when, when, they, when they needed uh, food, and when they needed water, when they needed guidance, when they needed protection. Now Joshua was stepping up to the plate. It always looks easy when someone else is doing it. Right? It always looks... Oh, that's no big deal. So, how many have ever poured concrete? Yeah? Couple good, is that awesome? It looks easy, doesn't it? But there's a little effort that takes place. And as you develop your, your skill and develop anything, doesn't have to be concrete work, it can be anything. You begin to develop habits or methods, things that work. And Joshua, by now, this time he had. I think he had matured to a place where he, it might have been difficult, he might have been tested, he might have been afraid, but I believe that he, he looked to his God, he began to trust God, and God was there to give him the words. He said, if you will stick to the book, if you will not part from my word, then your ways will be successful. If we will trust God and his word, if we will say the Lord is near, then he is near. And so Joshua was able to lead the people into the promised land. Another Old Testament story, remember King Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat, say that three times in a row. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. What a name. He was a king. And one of the era of the, of the Israelites. In fact, he was a pretty good king. Some of the kings weren't so good. Up and down, up and down, up and down as you read through the book of First and Second Chronicles. This particular king had, a, had some good things going for him. He looked to the Lord, but there was an enemy that was coming against him in Second Chronicles 20. And his enemy was big, and they were large, and they were outnumbered, and the king was afraid. I, I sometimes think we need to be willing to admit we're human. At the same time, we, I'm depending on the Lord. I may feel like this is, this is over my head. In fact, of the matter is, it is over my head. Doing anything for God is over my head. It's beyond me. And that's a good thing to clear it up right away because all of a sudden we realize that we can't do this in our own strength. We can't live as we ought to be unless the Lord is in our house. And so King Jehoshaphat, he looks to the people of God who knew how to pray and especially those people that could hear from God. In his time there was the prophets. And these prophets said, here's what you need to do. Get the, the, get the praise band. 
get the praise band, get the people with the music and the praise ability and set them, stand them, begin to lead them, uh, put them in front of the army. And he said, just begin to let them praise the Lord. And you know what the story, they begin to praise the Lord and God began to show up and he absolutely confused the enemy and they begin to turn on themselves and their victory was on their side because the people, I believe, looked to God because the Bible says right in that text, the battle belongs to the Lord. And so often I want to do the battle myself. When I need to say, listen, the battle belongs to the Lord. Am I really walking in his strength or am I only? You can get things done in your own strength to a degree, but you can never get as much done that the Lord wants to do through you. I think it's okay to admit that's, that, that the enemy is bigger than us. I can't fight him on my own. A couple of guys in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, tried that, and they wound up being beat up, their clothes ripped off, and they ran out of the house naked. Sons of Sceva. It's a crazy story. But they tried to do something in their own strength. I think the church is better off when we understand I can't do this in my own strength. I can't be the husband I ought to be. I can't be the person I should be. I can't be the wife I ought whatever, name it. I can't be the person at the job I ought to be unless the Lord. And that's the good news. God says, yes, I will have your backside. I will take care of you. I will supply your need. I will be with you to the end. What is it that really matters? Is that how I have a perspective of who God is that I'm not trying to do something because of pride, but because of the Lord himself is only cold. I don't know about you, but it gets really old really fast when you listen to the news these days. My advice is don't listen to too much. Only enough to just kind of know how to pray. I think that it's wisdom that we would, people that we engage with in our communities, that they would see a love in our hearts for people. That we would be caring enough that we would have the mind of Christ that says, that says something like this, Whatever is happening, I don't understand it all. God has a plan. Of course, he's sovereign, and we know all that. We know all the things sometimes to say, but, but really what matters is that what we, perhaps we could ask the question to our friend or a family, what is your biggest need right now? How can I pray? How can I stand with you? What is it that's really, really bothering you right now? Sometimes people need to know that you care. Sometimes they just need to know that you're, you're even able to understand or you're willing to listen. And so when it comes to this life, oh, this life, we don't have to look very far for trouble, do we? Jesus said these words in conclusion. He talked about seeking the kingdom, seeking his righteousness, in other words, if we will put God first, if we will honor the Lord, if we will trust God, he's going to take care of the basics for us. He's going to take care of the details. 
And he says, therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. How many of us have worried? I've, I've worried about tomorrow. I've been overwhelmed thinking of all, you know, I start set up for a week. Maybe there's a lot of things going on. I find myself being overwhelmed at time. But Jesus talks about every day will care for itself. If you get through today, you'll get through tomorrow when it comes. He's gotten you through yesterday. He'll get you through today. Whatever happened yesterday, you can't go back. You can't, you can't fix or you can only learn from. You have to keep going forward. So every day is a new beginning. Every day Jesus led the children of Israel. Every day he had fresh manna, right? Every day he had fresh food for his people. Every day he provides strength. Each day has enough trouble. I don't have to look for trouble. Trouble is in the world. Trouble is around us. You and I live in a troubled world. You and I live in, we could almost expect, there's gonna, I don't know looking for it, but I'm not surprised by it. A lot of times it's not surprised. When we get more seasoned with the Lord, we begin to understand, you know, I had a missionary talk about, I heard this story that he, he, had, he, had a, he was sleeping and, and then Satan actually entered his room and began to approach him. And this missionary just said, oh, it's just you, Satan. He rolled right over and went to sleep. He wasn't even bothered by, by the enemy because he knew in his heart who the Lord was. He knew that, he, that God was his strength. I, I don't know. I'm there yet, but it's probably not. But, but it, it has to do with something about Trusting the Lord no matter what, what, what is it that's testing us right now? What is it that is, a, that is a, something a bit of a mountain in your life? Or maybe a test. Jesus is saying each day to take care of itself. Tomorrow, we don't know, may never happen. It may never happen. It probably will. But what if Jesus comes today and all my worries will be gone for sure? Jesus wants us to live in that, that way, thinking that he could come today or he could come, you know, in generations and generations. We have to plan as though we could, we're ready to leave whenever he calls us. But at the same time, we're planning. We want to leave something for our children. We want to leave a heritage. We want to leave that. We want to we we want to see their faith grow. We want to see our kids and their kids. And we we're going to sing a song in a moment. It's a new song that Emily introduced here a while back about the blessing. Come on up, Nathan, Carrie, and I just kind of fell in love with this song because it really. First of all, it's the word of God itself that we're singing. And this comes right out of the scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Just think about that. What is that talking about? It's talking about God's favor. God's favor. What, what do you mean? The Lord bless you. I'm more convinced that we as people, the people of God, have the ability empowered by God, we can bless one another by our words. But what, 
But what great, no greater thing than to have the Lord's blessing. It causes face to shine. That picture, if you get a picture in your mind, he's excited about what he wants to do in your life. He's excited for what the future holds for you and I. He's excited. He's excited that you're coming to him today in a fresh and new way. And then it goes on about the favor be upon you 